2: Hi guys, welcome back to episode number sixty-seven. We have got a fantastic guest on this week's podcast. We go back a long way. It's a pro called Dan Webster, who's been a head professional at an incredibly established golf course called St. Andrews Links here in the UK for twenty years, but he's actually been there for twenty-nine years. One of the youngest pros in the country at the time, a club professional. Mm-hmm. And he also owns a driving range, a very up-and-coming, really exciting driving range as well. Um, he's got loads going on. We've just chatted to him. I think th- this is on par, for me, storytelling with the James Robinson podcast.
3: Yeah, we wanted Dan on because he is, for me, he's one of the best club pros in the country. I've yes. said that, I've said that, in, kind of give him a bit of praise. Uh praise. He still listens to us to do this, so i giving him loads of praise now. He He's very forward-thinking. He's driven his business to just something that's correct far beyond what you would think of a a club pro. yeah exactly and he's so knowledgeable so many stories to tell and it's it's jam-packed
2: a pioneer an entrepreneur and somebody is always pushing the envelope and and for me he is and again he's still sat next to me but i still say this with him being here or not almost like that the the flagship pga club professional that most club professionals should be aiming to try and strive towards yeah someone said the
3: elon musk of the golf yeah. world um but rick oh, that's, that's enough smoke more yeah. exciting than dan webster far more exciting than dan webster dan's a seven this is a 10 this week's podcast is sponsored by your friend and mine the open podcast
2: the second best podcast
3: out in golf right now. And they are
2: coming back with a brand new season. New guests, new stories, new interesting things that you would have never have heard about. And also sometimes a nice walk down memory lane to some of the opens of the past. The greatest moments in world golf. And we've been told this season is gonna be an absolute cracker.
3: Last season was very strong. I think this season's possibly even stronger. It's ten episodes conveniently out on a tuesday so once you listen to the Rick Shields golf show enjoyed it rated it five stars share with your friends and family obviously and then watch clips on youtube of course then you go onto your apple device your samsung device your huawei device whatever device you want and you look for the open podcasts it's,
2: it's that simple the open podcast you can't get it wrong no the open podcast go and search it and every tuesday you will get a
3: brand new
2: episode We'll well, the trailer.
3: Let's do the trailer, and then you also spent some time speaking to a real podcast producer.
2: Don't do yourself out of a service. You do an okay job. Yeah. But, yeah, you're right. We speak to Chris, who is a real, real-life producer for the Open Podcast.
3: Let's run the trailer now.
1: On the tee from the Republic of Ireland, Shane Lowry. It's definitely the most nervous I've ever been on the first tee of any tournament ever. Like, Port rush was just a huge occasion for Irish golf. We didn't think it could happen. We thought it was just a pipe dream.
2: It's not only good, it's absolutely unbelievable. A fist pump from Shane
3: Lowry. I mean, he was just enjoying himself, wasn't he? He was going round that golf course, loving it.
0: That's what we live for, really. It was so, so good. If you've ever wanted to know what it's like to be a pop star, Shane, I think you've got a fair idea now. This doesn't feel like golf. Saturday's one of the best rounds of golf I've ever seen in my life. Everyone standing, everyone applauding as Shane Lowry and Tommy Fleetwood arrive on the green. But this, of course, is for the Irishman. I'm
2: actually getting goosebumps here thinking
1: about it.
3: So that was the trailer of the 2019 Open, which was an absolute monster, and I'm sure that's going to be a good episode of the podcast. You had a couple of minutes with um, Chris to actually get a bit more behind the scenes, um, like I said, it was a real producer who actually does a proper job and speaks to tour pros week in, week out. Um, <laughs> well, let, let's cut to Chris
2: and see what we should be excited for for season three of The Open Podcasts. Chris Lewis, thanks for joining us.
4: Cheers, Rick. Thanks for having me. I uh, hope everything's good with you.
2: Yeah, everything's excellent. And we are very much excited about the new series coming out. I thoroughly enjoyed the last series from The Open. I thought the stories. Uh, the way you put it together was phenomenal. Um, I think my favourite episode was probably Gary, Gary Evans' one, just because I felt like it was a story that I didn't know loads about. So the way it was explained, the way that it kind of brought it to life, really did kind of uh, take me back to you know an open that I maybe didn't remember. Certainly, a story I didn't remember. What you uh, what have you enjoyed so far about doing the the podcast for the RNA?
4: Well, well, yeah, I think. As you mentioned, I mean, I've been very fortunate to to speak with some amazing people, some really interesting people um, over the course, and some obviously some of the best golfers that, you know, that, that there's have ever lived. And the beauty of a Zoom call really is that, like, well, the way we're speaking now, everyone feels more comfortable at home on their sofa or whatever. And so it really lends itself to, you know, a great chat and people feel comfortable sharing lots of experiences. And, and as you say, like, the story of a guy like Gary Evans... Um, Play like Michael Campbell who led the Open or Chris Wood who led the Open at the start of their career and you know you have contradict that a little bit with the champions like Watson and Nicholas two of the best to ever do it I mean that's sort of what the Open is all about in a sense is that you know it gives that chance to anybody to, to have that competition and yeah I've thoroughly enjoyed speaking to people who've you know not expected to do well and they've done fantastically and and also some of the games greatest to learn from them as well. So it's been it's been fantastic, yeah.
2: Well, you got our juices flowing then for episode, for season 3. Can you give us a you know, we've heard the trailer but can you give us a little bit of an insight of what we're going to be looking forward to seeing and
4: hearing? Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm not sure when this episode's going out, but it could be today where the story of 2019 comes out, which is obviously going to relive the incredible moments from from Royal Portrush, you know, we co-produced that with the guys at IMG Audio, Rob and Steve, they've done a fantastic job, James Nesbitt's going to be narrating, um, it's it's going to be great just hopefully to relive all of those experiences and from such a great open, and then we've got some interesting personalities coming up over the course of the, the 10 documentaries, we've got Monty coming up, pretty infectious personality, he has got some amazing stories awesome
2: chris you've been amazing uh keep up the great work producing the podcast and we look forward
3: to listening to season three rick and chris is it now the rick and chris show
2: well yeah <laughs> fine <laughs> <laughs> So guys, hopefully you're going to get excited about that. I think this is going to be really something you should continue to follow. And like I say, every Tuesday, the open podcast is going to be out with a brand new
3: episode. And then last thing, if you um, need any more incentive to watch the clips on the YouTube channel, you will see me today in my open cap and my open pullover. Fully branded. I feel like my open caps couldn't become my new like signature thing. quite That's like a nice it. Nice little bad cap. Um, suits you. I think, well, it does hurt her ends at the minute. But if you want some open merch, everybody wants open merch, we're actually going to give Away, Rick. So what? on Twitter today, on at Rick Shields Pod, and on Facebook at um, the Rick Shields Golf Show Podcast Group, we're running a giveaway. The opener very kindly gave us some merch um we're talking flags talking head covers talking caps talking t-shirts a lot wow. of merch to one lucky winner to enter that go on to rick at rick shields pod if you want if you're on twitter if you're on facebook uh the rick shields golf show podcast which is a group and all we're asking you to do is i'm going to do a post you'll see it with me and rick with the merch Um post your screenshots of um your subscription to the open podcast which is free by the way which is completely free um and ours, was just just why not make sure you subscribe to us as well i don't want anybody like any tomfoolery you have to be subscribed to our podcast as well it's only fair and ideally for a bonus point not a requirement but maybe say what you like about the open podcast as
2: well so guys make sure you get involved in that and i am excited as you guys should be too we we get a little glimpse of what's to come but i just can't wait for tuesdays to come mm-hmm. um jingle time let's Pop get scissors let's get dan on an unbelievable story you'll really enjoy right let me just think about this now let me think you're going to overthink it i'm going to destroy
3: you. you ready i'm going to go right
2: oh same again scissors oh this oh. is
0: weird are oh, you in congratulations I
2: actually win, guys for first time in a long time i get to do a jingle guy well i'm actually going to press the button as well but either way <laughs> i'll do the jingle in three two one So we've got an exciting one today. We have got a club professional who has been in the industry for 29 years, a head professional for nearly 20 years, and not only that, 20 years at St. Old Links, which here in the UK is one of the most established, most recognized golf courses in the country. Dan Webster, thank you for joining us today. Uh, brilliant. Thank you for having me again. Was that a good enough intro? Uh, did I pretty, miss anything?
0: No, pretty much nailed on, yeah, yeah. And also,
2: not only that, father of two, devoted husband, yeah. owner of Livam Golf Academy, also athlete, a triathlon, <laughs> what, what would you call it? a novice at the moment, uh, Travel oh, novice? Yeah, yeah, novice?
0: Tri- trier really, just beginner, but um, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: And it's going to be a really exciting podcast because I want to really dive into the life of a club pro. I mean, you have seen it all, I guess, from 20 years being a head professional, but also 29 years being at St. Anne's Old Links. Um, you'd have seen highs and lows. And obviously, the last 12 months has been a crazy, crazy 12 months. But I also understand that the journey has not been a smooth one over the last few years, anyway. Yeah, so I definitely okay. want to dive into that. Um, I also just want to caveat this, and Guy just mentioned it off air. I would put you in the category of one of being the one of the most entrepreneurial head professionals, PGA professionals, as I know anywhere in the country.
3: I would agree with that. And I think with my old job, which I talk about quite a lot and people laugh about. Yes, I worked for Nike. Um I got to visit a lot of club pros and that was kind of my job. I would visit these club pros and would do demo days, things like that. And Dan was definitely the most passionate club pro, and one story, actually, I weirdly, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but one thing that really I always remember was it was like a cold like Sunday morning or something, we were doing like, a demo event at the golf club at St. Hansel Links, and it was like 7.30, we were there super early to like um, set up and everything, and I remember being inside the pro shop, and a customer came into Dan, and he wanted to buy a packet of teas, right, and he walked in, and he said to Dan, like, hiya, Dan, Um, I want some teas, And it was as if this customer had said, I want to spend five grand on Scotty Cameron's. The service that Dan gave him was second to none. And I'll be honest now, most people, including myself, would have just said, oh, the tea's over there. Dave, just go and buy some pink castles. And Dan was just like, okay, yeah, let's have these, (laughs) these, these, da 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 and then sold some teas. I remember thinking, after being at that golf for 26 years, or whatever it was at the time, to have that level of dedication to your members is a class act. Um, And I think that's one thing I wanted to get in early that I always think of when I think of Dan.
0: You're making you're making me blush. guys.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is also on a video podcast, so if you do want to see the clips, make sure you check out the second channel because we've got some. I reckon we've got some killer clips coming from today's episode. Yes, right. Where should we start? I mean, the, I mean, beginning what, what, from when you were born. I mean, yeah, yeah. Are, are you a
0: local <laughs> lad? Were you from? London? No, no, I'm from Stafford. Are you really? Yeah, yeah, from the Midlands. Um, Learned to play golf down there. Quite an interesting. Shall I tell you a bit about what? Love. Why golf? Really for exactly. me because I didn't like golf at all. Really? Did every sport go in as a child? My parents they didn't play. Um, my granddad played, and um I'd go round to my granddad's on a Sunday afternoon. Him and my cousin would be in the garden. I can picture it now. I can even see it happening, and they'd be chipping a ball up and down their garden, and I'd go over with my football and what are you doing and the chipping up come and have a go nah it's old man's game and that was my mentality 12, 13 years old and he said well we're going to go to the drive range next week why don't you come with us not a chance I went with them and I couldn't do it I kicked off I had a right sulk <laughs>
2: What were you good at? What sports did you? Enjoy I did every then?
0: sport. I did. I, I literally jack of all trades, master of none. I played football for the team. Tennis. Spent a lot of time on tennis. Hockey. Cross country running. Um, swam. Did a lot of swim. My dad used to swim for Wales. Oh wow! Yeah, never caught one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, so sorry. No, but he did. It's going to be but, a long day. <laughs> sorry, about that. but no, he did swim for Wales, and he, we only found out on his fortieth birthday that he wasn't welsh and he did swim in the welsh national team because <laughs> yeah, yeah. he was born right in, right on the border um i'm gonna say Bur- but yeah yeah birkenhead that way yeah oh my god anyway sh- sorry dad um <laughs> but yeah swimming was a big part of a life as well but anyway back to golf so we went went to the drying range and i couldn't do it my cousin was great matt brilliant golfer and um, my granddad was was really good he was a single figure handicap at trenton park um, and I just missed the ball and had the right tantrum, and we came home and I was I was in tears. can't do that silly game, and I literally from that day dropped all my sports, everything, and just started playing golf. Wow, mum and dad were brilliant um we're not you know we're not from a wealthy background, and they did everything they could to make sure I could get equipment um and We joined a golf club, I joined Stafford Castle, a nine hole course in the middle of Stafford, uh, really enjoyed playing, dropped everything, um like I said. Uh, my GCSEs didn't go so great because again, probably when you were a junior golfer, it was get to the course first thing in the morning, spend all day there, and I, I know you mentioned Absolutely. it with Robbo's podcast as well, you know, a bit of pocket money, play 36, 54 holes in a day and then come home and I did that pretty much through my GCSEs and also through my A-levels really, so... Yeah. Did you get good quick then because you had this sporting background already
3: you went from not being able to hit the ball, but did you get low quickly?
0: yeah, yeah. Not quite to the standard of others. I thought I was good. You know, I'm like, I was winning the junior club championships at Stafford Castle. I was the junior captain and, you know, got down to 10 quite quickly and then 8 and 7. And my cousin who'd started before me, he was staying off... Like eleven handicap, I was already down below him, single figures with my brand new Wilson FG forty nine blades. If you ever remember them, but boy, I'm, I'm a bit old. <laughs> Sorry, I was,
2: was going to say, Dan, just give some context. Obviously, we mentioned the fact that you, you've been a pro for twenty nine years and a head pro for twenty years. Uh, don't mind me asking, how old are you? Because I think it will give some context to all the, the, the a lot of yeah, the stories yeah, you're saying. Yeah,
0: I'm now forty seven and forty eight in so, July.
2: So, you, I do want to come back to the story. You must have been one of the youngest head pros in the country at the time
0: um sir, I think there's been others, but the way St Ansel Lynx were um for to be the head pro at St Ansel Lynx appointed. At Twenty-three took over the role at twenty-six. Wow, that's quite a big, bold move for the golf club. Yeah, yeah. In the twenties, it is because you don't yeah.
2: normally get many club pros, and I'm sure everybody listening to this. If you picture your club pro right now, very rare would pe- actual head yeah. pro club yeah. pro. Very rare would people be in the twenties. So yeah. I want to come on to that in a minute, yeah. but I just thought that would give some good context to the listeners. So you had your you had your Wilson, Blade, yeah,
0: you, no, Wilson you were, blades, yeah, Wilson blades, getting good, got down single figures. um didn't do so well with my GCSEs, and I was like, it's all right, I'm going to be a golf pro. Made my mind up. And did you think playing pro at this time? Oh, well, that was the only pro, isn't it? Well, you know, for me, it was, I was going to be on tour, I was going to win the Open probably. I read <laughs> Sandy Lauer's book. <laughs> um, and I started applying for a few jobs. Um, I, just, I got my A level results. I just This is a bit of a diverse one for me, but I was, I'd sailed in the tall ships race from Aberdeen across to Holland. When I was seventeen, whilst my A level results came out, with the school in a in a big sailing race, yeah, I know random.
2: <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't know where you were going to go with that. Yeah, okay. yeah.
0: So I mean, I'm I'm on a payphone in in Holland, and I rang my mum to find out how my A levels gone, and she she read the results out, and A level oh. results I got a U for maths, N for economics, a near miss, and a U for physics. Now first we'll line those three subjects up. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to work anyway. <laughs> is it? Um, and I said, I said, "It's all right, Mum. Don't worry, because I'm going to be a golf pro. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll mention you in my speech when I win the Open. Pretty much, yeah. Everything will be fine. Don't we really just worry about that? So um, you were 18 at this point, yeah, yeah, and got um, got a job. Came for an interview with Gordon Hardiman at St. Olden.
2: So how did that come about, though? Because that's not what's that two hours away from where you were living.
0: Yeah, just I went through literally um, the way to be a golf pro. in My mind was become a trainee pro get yep. a job, do your training, and then go off and play on tour. Uh, you know, this was my naivety. Um. So, did, did you have many
2: role models at that point? Was there anyone guiding you in this pathway? No. So you, th- this no. is exactly, you were just working it out on your own. Yep. There wasn't any blueprints to follow locally anyway um but you that kind of in your mind you thought get a club pro get a yeah trainee job yeah like most pj professionals yeah, yeah, do yeah, yeah. but this was almost before the internet and before you could really <laughs> yeah. you could really do some research about this
0: i didn't know what what avenue to be a pro was i didn't even know what a good player was i thought i was well, what was your handicap at this point then so when i um got my job for gwillam and came to work for him i was off seven Okay. Alright, so I'd got down to seven in four years. Yeah. Right, which I thought was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um I was one of the lowest handicappers at Stafford Castle at the time. Winning everything. I'm phenomenal. You got caught in the Local golf club bubble,
2: didn't you? Totally, yeah. Yeah, I, I did the same. Big fish, small pond. Correct. Yes. I used to think I was the bee's knees until I moved somewhere else and went to my college. And you mentioned yes, that yes. in the James Robinson um, podcast that we did, and I realised, oh crap, I'm actually nowhere near good enough <laughs> at this level. So when you were when you were off seven and you went, so also give some context to Gwilym because he's in the industry, a very well known yeah. professional, yeah, isn't yeah, yeah, he? Yeah. So he did. Did he do training at the PJ so He it. actually trained PGA.
0: Trainees, didn't it? Yeah, so Gwilym was the head repairs instructor, which was a bit of a blessing for me and a nightmare at the same time. But uh, he's old school. Our interview was at a cafe on the beach when he took me on. Okay. He didn't care about my golf ability. The fact that I was from the Midlands meant you got the job because he trusted people from the Midlands. Is that right? (laughs) I'm guessing he's Welsh. Um, He's from Middleton in Manchester. Is he? Yeah. Yeah, he I was, feel like
2: Gwilym's quite a Welsh name, is it? There's
0: got to be Welsh ancestry. Yeah, definitely. So, he, and he'd been at St Anne's for how long? Probably about 17 years when I got there. Wow. And then I, another eight until I took so it. So
3: you there. must have relocated from where you were living
0: then? Yeah, yeah. I, I can remember it as clear as day. My, my dad, mum and dad drove me up. Uh, I got the job. So he said, look, don't worry about your handicap. We can sort that. You need to get down to four in six months or you're out of a job. But, you know, that's no problem. I like a little bit of pressure. Wow. Um, mum and Dad drove me up uh, to Lytham, dropped me off on the Sunday. Oh, you love the outfit I had on. I'm, I'm really glad that I don't have any images of it, because it was before iPhones. But I had my Geometric George Pringle orange jumper, orange Pringle trousers. Wow. That I'd That's just been kitted out in.
2: It's, it's just a bold
0: statement, that isn't it? It was, I'm here. You this is me. I'm seven. I'm off seven. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to rock. So that's rhythm. where
3: Ricky Fowler got his inspiration from then. <laughs> I'm off seven.
2: I am, oh, I'm dear. from the Midlands yeah. and I'm off seven. I'm a big boy. Take, Look take at this. <laughs> take this, St. Anne's. Take this, Lytham. You don't know what's hit you. Um, so, obviously, and, and also just in this, con- like, I've always held St. Anne's Old Links in such high regard in, in, in stature and, you know, it's an amazing golf course, uh, got a lot of history and stuff. Was that something you were obviously aware of at the time as well, or did you not did, was it just another Lynx golf course on the on in Lytham or
0: St Anne's? This is the really bad thing. I, I was so new to golf, I was uh, um, you know <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna come across really bad, but I I, I just knew I'd got I, oh that looks all right, it's by the seaside, I'll go there. And then when interestingly, I used to practice at what's now called the Three Hammers driving range. Okay, yeah, yeah. At the time it's called Coven. And the chap, there's a coach there. there's a guy called Sean Ball. And I used to go down. I didn't have lessons. My granddad taught me. And I'd go and hit balls with and, and Sean. We'd, I said, oh, I'm going to be gone for a while now because I've got a job. He said, oh, where? I said, St. Old links. He's gone, I used to work there. <laughs> and Ballie was Gwilym's assistant. You're joking. <laughs> oh, my God. Small world. <laughs> yeah, very. And, again, I think that's possibly one of the reasons I got the job with Gwilym because I'm sure Gwilym would have, anyway, you know, wow. think how things might have worked. Um, but, yeah, sure enough. Um, started, uh, yeah. I, I was there in my bright orange Valdo. Oh, so it was Pringle, Geometric George. In. Just look at it, if you have there a little a look. Yeah. So you're
3: 18 at this point. I mean, 18, 18. Moved 18 away from home. Mum and dad dropped me off. So, yeah. did you, where did you go and live? Were they just going live in digs, or what? Where did you own, like move into? It, like? So, the,
0: the, the part of my my um, superb package was um, I got 45 pound a week wage off Quilliam. Uh, and digs and the digs were in the roof of the clubhouse. There's a little dormy, <laughs> yeah, a, a two bedroom. It's wow. not. It wasn't two bedroomed It was like half a bedroomed apartment. Is <laughs> in it the still room. there now? Yeah, in the clubhouse, yeah.
3: above the pro shop, like. oh, no, the no, above the clubhouse. Oh, right. in the
0: right of the roof. Um, wow. And there, was, but there was two assistants, me and a lad called Dean White, who was from uh, H- Houghton Spring over on the northeast, right. And we lived in it. And I'm not kidding you. It was half the size of this room. Oh my uh, two god. Two eighty, but. We're eighteen. He was eight as well. This was our university. Oh yeah, this was Blackpool. Was you can see the tower ten minutes up the road. My record was seventeen nights out on the bounce on forty-five pound a week. That's not bad going, is it? Oh my days! Yeah, but that was our. You know, I was living away from home. Mum and Dad came up every weekend and filled my (laughs) fridge again because I couldn't afford to buy food because I spent it all in Brannigans.
3: (laughs) <laughs> that must be in the morning, though. You wake up at hungover. You've not got far to travel, have you? Literally walk down the stairs and you're in the pro shop.
0: You'd think it would be easy to be not late, wouldn't you? You'd think so. Many. But it's harder
2: when you're hungover. We know
0: it's harder when you live on the doorstep. You know, well, I only have to go down the stairs. The amount of times. We used to have this. Uh, I'm sure Gwyn will, will, will watch or listen to this, but we used to have to put the timesheet up on a Saturday and Sunday morning in the clubhouse at 7.45. And the members would come in and they'd queue to put the name on the sheet. You know, obviously everything's on an app now. And if that sheet wasn't up at 7.45, there'd be uh, a head would roll and Gwillem would ring the pro shop at 7.46 every morning. Has the... Yeah, it's been done. I would say three times I was lying in my bed and Gwillem stood over me to wake me up at 7.50 or 7.55 on a Saturday or Sunday morning. I've never known fear like it because he'd come up into the flat. He stood over me like... What are you doing? Um, I was, you know, you you think you're never going to be late for work when you live at work, but I did it. I did it. He let me do it three times. I think any more, I would have been out because he was a, a tough, tough taskmaster as well.
3: So at this point, you're 18. You're living at the golf club. You're working, obviously, at the <clears throat> golf club. Did your golf improve having it on you, literally, on your doorstep?
0: Yeah, totally. It was just like again, we, we've we've discussed it. I'm sure you have discussed it as well. It was my summer holidays, so I ha- it was March the sixteenth, fifteenth. And I had until September, which is when the PGA course would start for me. And Gullum had basically said, You've got to get down to four. If you don't get down to four, back to Stafford, off you go. And and that's great. And I literally worked um eight o'clock in the morning till six every night and then played every night. Played till dark with the juniors. Ali Taylor was a member at the time, Really? R- yeah. Richie Bowman. Yes, yeah, I, sp- I spent a lot of a lot of time at Ali's house, his parents did a lot for me, which was great. Um we would play golf every night on a day off, I get one day off a week. And I play 54, 72 holes. Wow. And, and did you
2: notice as well, there were much better players there. So, you you know, straight away you were like, my seven doesn't quite stack up here. <laughs> I best put the orange Pringle outfit away. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to turn up in black, everything. And just, and just blend it. Absolutely. <laughs> Nothing we're changed. still in the black. Yeah. So, you got down to four, I guess. I got, got down to four. Six playing. You did you start doing your PGA?
0: Playing a lot. And I did realise then, you know, I'm I'm, far too... F- I'm not right for this. this I'm not going to be a player. I did... I did when I got into the PGA. I got my name on a pro a green pro Quip jacket, and I walked down to Royalism because I didn't have a car. And it's about a mile and a half to get to Royal. And I walked down there, stood on the first tee and thought it was '92. And I thought '1996, the Royals, the Open's here, I'll be playing in that. And I, and I really did think that we had my name on my jacket. <laughs> I'm sure, Of course, it was. <laughs> uh, I walked back, and Guillem, sort of, probably in a roundabout way, said, It's probably going to be a struggle for you, that. But uh, let's get you into your PGA training and and get stuck in it. And I literally switched into this. Um, I studied and studied and studied. Coaching was my thing. And whereas the other assistant would do his hours in the shop and then go out playing, I'd do my hours and then coach. £10 an hour and I'd coach and I'd make up... 30, 40 lessons a week I'll be doing at £10 an hour as well as 50 or 60 hours in wow. the shop for Gwilliam. So my £45, £50 pound a week say. went up quite a lot quickly. Yeah. Which is great and also I found my passion which was the the help, helping out other people. And did that all get spent in Brannigans? Yeah, and Springs and... <laughs> <laughs> Did you, be- <laughs> you realise at this
3: point then that actually coaching and, and, and isn't is more my kind of world going forward than being a player? Did you put those dreams to bed quite early on or was it still burning the back? No,
0: it went quite quickly. I, I um I struggled getting my playing ability card with the PGA. You know, I had i again down to the wire with that one I had to hold a thirty footer on the eighteenth um, green at Chorley. Um Leyland Golf Club it was. Leyland with the window there. Yeah. yeah. It was my second-to-last event. I had one more event, which was at Heaven's Reach, and I couldn't finish at Heaven's Reach because the last three holes, I'd always lose a couple of balls. <laughs> so I wasn't going to get it there. And back then, you had to shoot four over standard scratch. Right. Okay, you had to shoot four over standard scratch a handful of times. Just one round, or...? No, no, you had to do... I'm going to say four rounds over your three years okay, to within four of standard scratch. Okay, it's not hard.
2: So th- there wasn't a playing ability test before no, you no, started no.
0: p j yeah. You had to be off four. Okay, and then you could, you had to, a good player, you know, they'd do it in the first four comps, yeah, There's no yeah. problem. I hadn't played any competitive golf apart from a junior comps at the old at Stafford Castle, so I was under the cash. First year I might have got one, second year I might have got one, third year I still had one to go, and it was right down to the wire. Last couple of events, oh and my days. I was running. Whereas other people have celebrated hole and putts to, you know, get in the open, James, or to, to get on tour, I hold this, this putt for to, a 76,
2: <laughs> and you're running around the green like a madman.
0: Everyone's come out of the clubhouse. Yeah, but they knew that yeah, I was having yeah. a challenge here, yeah, yeah. and, and I, I'd created a, I, I was quite friendly with everybody anyway, so there's a lot of pals. Uh, uh, Leyland's two under his standard scratch, so I had to shoot two over. It's a bit, yeah, a bit yeah. tricky oh, for yeah. me, Yeah, especially where I was chopping it down the last two. <laughs> the thing is, though, I'm having a laugh, but that put there to hold, to... to, to, to do
3: your PGA, although it's not playing the open to you, who's already got a dream now of being a coach. That was essentially you're getting the oh, open because if you missed that port yeah. and you weren't doing your PGA, your you could be the golf yeah. coach yeah. and
0: then you'd be on a different path to where you are now. Wouldn't be here now, that's for sure. And, and Harry and Charlie wouldn't be around you know, it's those kind of yeah, things you're crazy, sliding doors moments. But yeah, that was a big that was a big day for me and I did that. But I'd already by then decided probably playing uh wasn't for me.
2: You had to give up your tea time in 1996, in was it, at Royal Odom? I went to
0: watch.
3: <laughs> you know, what's interesting there, though, with your story is you obviously early on thought, right, actually, I'm not going to be a player. I'm going to be a coach. And obviously, you've gone on to do amazing things which we will come on to yeah. in this episode. But so many people don't realise early on and do actually spend 10 years thinking, I can do this, I can do this, and then don't. And then actually end up leaving golf and hating golf and never touch a club again. Yeah, I see that all the time.
2: I, well i would say personally it was the thing that that really defined my career path uh, the best thing that ever happened to me is i realized i wasn't good enough to play and it, and once i realized that it was like yeah. okay that's all that's all right But you know where it. both
3: your stories link the fact that you both went to places with established golfers because you went to my school college with every man and his dogs off scratch and then you yeah. went to a golf course near well the amazing golfers down the road from royal living was going to yeah. be amazing golfers and you had that kind of reality check and it just shows if you are in a smaller bubble with and you are the best player off five or off six you might go on for everything and i can do this i can make it and actually you're not going to
2: and also i think if you surround if people around you're almost in it's hard because there has to be encouragement but sometimes it's misleading encouragement isn't it Mm. like you might have parents or sponsors and you know oh you're going to be you're going to be the best thing but reality, you're a five, and you, you're never going to make it. But it's yeah. in golf. There's nobody really to ever tell you you can't make it, no. because in football, you just won't get picked for the team. Yeah. you just wouldn't. You wouldn't be in the squad. You wouldn't get picked, and you'd soon realize I'm actually not very good at this. But in golf, as long as you've got the money and you've got a bit of backing, you can you can pretend to try and make it for yeah. for a long long yeah. a long long time. And like you said, there, guys, so many people I know, and I'm sure you're the same, dropped out of
0: golf oh. because they continued to try and play. Yeah, you get they get to a point. We I'd see it on a regular basis, and I coached a lot of them The young lads that were coming through off plus three num- numbers I'd never heard of when I was at that age, but plus three, plus four, get to fifteen, sixteen, and the wheels at their feet. I'd see them in Brannigan, so you already know probably making the wrong decisions. Um, they get to twenty, twenty-one. They're still off low, you know, plus three, plus four, not pushed on what kind of standard do they need to get to to get on the tour mm. 24, 25 they're not earning any money now the mm. parents are funding them they're running out of money they're, they're not getting a sponsor still living at home still, or whatever yeah. it may be get to 30 still in the same boat it's it's definitely uh, for me I was lucky I got a reality check very quickly yeah. it wasn't hard for Gwilym to say to me come on Dan you're king of the practice ground and I'll, I'll come to that as well but the king of the practice ground you can't get it right on the golf course and to win money you're going to have to get it right there mm. But yeah, I think um, no. It's uh, there's, there's, uh, from from that again from that podcast with James. He put a, he cast a lot of light on challenges that lads going to have. And I will always be honest with a, a parent of a client I'm coaching and say, Look, if I think there's an opportunity, great, but be careful. Would I let my boys Harry and Charlie try and be a uh, uh, golf pro? Probably not. Really? Yeah. No. Not not at all. Mm-hmm. I think I'd like them to follow in my business, but I wouldn't. Unless I saw something very, very special, I don't. Have you seen them hit balls at all? I've, years ago, yeah, they not can, for a long time. I mean, but they've, they've been able to hit balls since they could stand up. Yeah. Harry can hit it 120 yards now. He's seven. Charlie can hit it like 70 yards. He's five. Wow. Yeah. But I still wouldn't let them because, in a weird me. way, now you know the seven-year-olds
2: are, are off 19. Like, yeah. And it sounds after 18 yeah. handicap, and it's like there's always someone better. And, and that, they should never be discouraged about that because there's also so many pros that took up the game much later in life. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't start till the teens and became, ex- you know, amazing players. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I'm not I'm not sure yet. I've got my little boy at the moment just whacking golf balls around the house and around the garden, and my girls love it as well. But, um, you know, I'm just going to let them mature into whatever they want to do with, with golf. They see dad doing it, and I'm sure they'll do it in some capacity. Yeah i'll let them kind of drive where that leads to down the line really um so obviously i I want to kind of jump a little bit here now so you you're qualified you're 21 years old um what was then this next step
0: into like becoming a head pro how did that kind of come into fruition so i qualified well i was very fortunate and i got a nice award from the pga and Titleist. um went to a big ceremony which is great and that came, kind of gave me a few options. I had a few options. So you were like trainee of the year. I was so back then. There wasn't a year. It was the trainee of the whole program. Oh right. Okay. So I came third out of the. the so so it, instead of just doing each year, they did a big award for your graduation year. Um, and I actually I was third, and I got quite a nice award for it. Got big big fund. They, they used to give an award for the top ten out of the whole program. Wow. Brilliant. But it put me on the map. It gave me a nice bit of recognition. Something to put on your CV straight away. Definitely uh, and the PJ at the time, I'm not really sure how much they do with it now and certainly it was Titleist were involved, they made a big, it was a big ceremony. Yeah. Uh, you know, Gwilym was there with me and uh, I think he must have been proud because obviously he was he was a mentor on the programme, right? Yeah, he was yeah he, he, and he, he stood with me and the, the chairman of the PJ at the time there was John Jacobs there and also uh, top top marketing chap from Titleist, and we're just after the awards and they were congratulating me, and Guillem came up and put his arm around me, and he said, "Yeah, he's done all right, but he's the untidiest assistant <laughs> I've ever had." <laughs> Did
2: he? I bet he felt a bit of pressure as well on the fact that you were his his assistant. Was he quite harsh? Was he quite on you for your assignments and your work? Because you couldn't let him down, could you? Really?
0: No, he 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 was very much, yeah. You you, he, he was a, a tough taskmaster, but fair, and he made sure that. I put the effort in. He knew where my skill set was. Yeah. And it wasn't gonna be any money playing, so he made sure I came out with that qualification
2: Because and... for him he would have it would have reflected badly on him if you wouldn't if you wouldn't have done well, really. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah, so I agree, it, yeah. So it's nice that you came out, it got third. Would you have would you did he bust your balls for not getting first? or no, he
0: was third. All right. I think he was surprised I even got an award. To be fair, but he <laughs> he did ring me because he found out before I did, and he said um, just in, in, there's just there's a bit of an inquiry into your coaching result. I'm like, what? He said, yeah. He said, and my coaching result was that high that they were questioning how it could actually happen. Now, back then, you had to give a lesson. I had to give a one-to-one lesson to, I think it was Gary Alice who I coached. He had a a, a practical...
2: Just to give some context to people listening, that's Peter Alice's
0: son. Yeah. So, and sounds just like Peter Alice, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Good guy, and he was strict, so I had to give a lesson. It was very nerve-wracking to do that. Uh, Then a practical and a theory as well. So... Yeah, he was questioning. Gwilym rang me up and said, there's been a question about your result. But anyway, <laughs> he, I think he was pulling my leg. But it was very good. I was very happy with it. Um, but yeah, he, he was proud of what we achieved there. Could he, was he starting to, and again, I don't know if you found this out later
2: on, was he starting to kind of mould you and shape you into replacing him? Was that, was that in his mindset?
0: Yeah. Oh he, right. He knew he was going to retire at 65 in 2001. I passed my exams in 97. The club approached me after my results and said, would you consider replacing Gwilym as a head pro? So I was just turned 20, I was 22, 23 at the time.
3: Wow. So that was like three or four years in advance. Yeah. And I just said,
0: look, I've got options. You know, the only way I'd do it is if you contracted me the role, um, rather you know ahead rather than me saying yeah and then in three years you put it Change out and waited yeah, yeah. and so they did and there was, there was a few objections as there will be um at a traditional golf club quite a few long-standing members because of age or experience yeah. age um conflicts whatever it might be so I, I respect that i show i proved myself even more to them uh, and yeah they they unanimously unanimously voted that i would become their next head professional when Gwilym retired in 2001. So were you on, like... I bet you were being watched like a hawk for those three years, weren't you, in the build-up? I wasn't in Brannigan's as much, <laughs> as
2: <laughs>
3: actually. We <I bear>, <laughs> were still upstairs as well.
0: Yeah, so I was still upstairs until I took over as a head pro and then I bought my first house. No way. Yeah, and um No, that... that So that was our centenary year as well. So I took over as a head pro. We had our centenary year at St. Tansel Links, 2001, um, which Gwilym allowed me to have the shop for. So even though I took over as a pro in September i had the shop from january wow so i got that centenary year's revenue
3: wow and just oh. to put some con- like context obviously rick and, and i know St Anne's pretty well you know people listening it's, it might be a they might not have heard of the got how would you just kind of in a sentence or so if you can explain what it's like because i know it's very prestigious and stuff but how would you explain the golf course and the club and the members to people listening? It's a,
0: it's a real golf club, and, and it's wrong. It's hard to say what, what's not a real. You know, it's a traditional. There's a lot. Um, there's a lot of history, a lot of heritage. There's pictures of the captains up on the walls. When you walk into the reception area downstairs, there's a big trophy cabinet. No, no welcome from anybody. It's, you're you're in the, the the clubhouse, and you can just feel you're somewhere. Um, traditional special for me special Whenever every time walking there even now after so long i feel like i'm at, i'm at, in a nice
2: so again uh, context you have to wear smart shoes
0: or oh, dress code yeah yeah you yeah. can't
2: wear hats obviously no, caps no. inside are not allowed do you, have, do you have to wear a tie after a certain time no
0: no they were early, d- early days yeah uh, friday saturday sundays that was certainly the case um but no would mobile phones be frowned upon Ooh, yeah
2: yeah, okay. So that yeah, kind of definitely. gives some kind of idea on the yeah. venue for people yeah. listening. Yeah. And and you know, to some, you know, Americans or or people outside the UK, they may have never experienced that. And and we've kind of grown up and knowing these places like like say your St Old Lynx or your yeah. your Royal Lytham or your Burtdales or that that just have that, that different level, that different feel. Of prestigiousness and, and almost, I don't know what the right words because I don't want to discredit it because I respect it. Yeah. I don't particularly agree with everything these days that from these you know more traditional clubs, but I also have to respect that that's what's happened in the past, and slowly but surely things are starting to change. Am I am I right in saying that? Yeah, I'd agree,
0: and and I think the old links by appointing me as their head pro at twenty six started their process of that mm-hmm. change. Um, allowing me to put an indoor studio in the pro shop, allowing me to change the practice ground to a range-style facility, the dress code inside the clubhouse has become more relaxed. There is no gents' or ladies' room anymore. You know, those Mm. kind of things were evident when I first started. And I I agree, I I, I respect it. I don't say I agree with all of it, but it does feel nice. When you're in a certain place and you feel special, you know, it's a nice feeling. However, the more inclusive we can get, the better, in my opinion.
3: I would say at your place that there's a very nice contrast between the got the clubhouse which i've been in a couple of times that you said does feel very much like um kind of classic and like you said you you feel like you've got to be on your best behavior but then the pro shop is very modern you see you got this indoor studio you could stand in there have a cup of tea and chat to the pros it's not like you could go in there and do you get what i mean it's very it's a nice contrast nice blend between the two i would say That, that that's
2: kind of that's you can tell it's Dan's. Yes. You know, you can tell it's a space where it's like, I feel welcomed here. Yeah. The, the shelves are stocked. It's got modern gear in here. It's not, you know, we've not got wicked golf clubs anymore that are they're in the no. corner, which you do get to some, if you go to some real traditional clubs yeah. and you go in their pro shops, like some of them are so, you know, almost they've never modernized with the with the world. Uh, but yours has, your pro shop has. And I want to definitely come on to the business side in
0: a minute. I mean, the golf course is phenomenal. Lynx golf course. For me, you'd be hard To find a better course I know it's easy to say I'm biased but the condition of the course specifically um, over the last few years as well is just elevated Is Greg still the head greenkeeper? Yeah so Stuart Hogg was the course manager and he really turned the place around in my opinion and Greg was Stuart's uh, assistant uh, understudy yeah yeah. yeah. and Stuart did phenomenal with the course and Greg has then just gone and taken it on to another level so yeah yeah, credit to both of them
2: because I know Greg he used to work at Mia years ago and then he came over to St Anne's Um, What's the, again, what's the, because obviously you've got incredibly famous neighbours. How does that kind of work with, like, Royal Because I, I reckon probably more people, because of the Open and its history, probably know Royal rhythm and St. Anne's more than they know St. Anne's Old Links. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What What's the relationship between, kind of, the clubs, I don't want to get into politics or anything, and also, what am I right in saying that St. Anne's, where you are now, was the original home for Royal Have
0: I've got that wrong. I'm, ch- I'm, g- I'm not going to go too deep into it, um, because, again, two nights in Browningos have probably messed my brain a bit in my memory, but um, there was a, a golf course up the front. and Was that where Fairhaven is? No, where we are now. All right. And it came, and Granny's Cottage, our 11th hole, used to be the turning point, so I'd say it'd be the 9th, and then it turned back down the railway track. Right. Before the railway track was there, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So you'd go up and down. And Royalism itself was established in eighteen something, I think, wasn't it? So, eighteen seventy four, maybe. We're nineteen oh one. I think part of that course became St Ansel I'm not. I can't. I'm not going to say too much because someone's going to go. Yeah, you got it wrong. But I know our eleventh hole, tenth and eleventh, were part of a previous course.
3: I get yeah. Can I just jump in with a bit of a tech question for you then?
0: Just I know we're kinda of going off on a bit
3: of a tangent here, but it just got me thinking then, you, you know, you've been a pro at a golf club um for, for twenty nine years now. So you've seen a lot of golfers and you've seen a lot of equipment and you've seen a lot of brands. In in that last, let's say twenty years, which golf brand would you say has improved the most? I'm talking hardware brand. It's gonna <laughs> be a tough one for you this, I guess, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Um, so all of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a lot of brands. There. All... Every brand, yeah, every,
2: that I, every that brand I, brand stock. That I uh, <laughs> stock.
0: No, I'll be totally honest. I am a TaylorMade ambassador, mm-hmm. and one mm-hmm. of the reasons I'm a TaylorMade ambassador, I choose. I potentially could have been an ambassador for any brand, and I chose TaylorMade because of what, how innovative they are, and how they keep pushing and pushing and pushing. Everyone's innovative. Go back uh, to the burner product years ago. Going back to my my first TaylorMade club. In '94, I think it would have been a metal little spoon, a 30-degree spoon. Like a rescue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've pushed the boundaries, but they're all doing it. One thing I will say, the amount of tech that's come out over the last 20 years, every single new product, every driver has promised me 10 yards. Yeah. I'm not hitting it 200 yards further than I was 20 years ago, so what's? I'm not sure what's going on. However, the marketing, the demand creation the the backing all the all the exciting stuff the blue ring on the new taylor may driver that's all part of the excitement of for me the excitement of the product and mm. the game and without that we i would probably still be using something from 10 years ago and i'd probably still be hitting it just as good but at the same time i wouldn't be excited I, I run now so i like to go and buy new trainers i play golf i like to buy a new driver you know i don't want to buy the same trainers i want to buy the better ones so, yeah, technology's moving forward. I, I know I've kind of swerved <laughs> you a little bit, well, the best brand. I'd certainly say, TaylorMade and Callaway are pushing it. Ping have come come up, you know, a very traditional brand and they've mm-hmm. they've joined the the high-tech race, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, I would
2: say that, obviously, I, can, I probably can't rewind as far as Dan's knowledge on, on what equipment. What would you say since
3: you've started then? Because you're about 20 years, you've been playing, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, probably. A bit more.
2: I, probably, I must admit, I probably would agree with TaylorMade, potentially. Mm-hmm. And I think, Maybe when I was growing up, Callaway was the big brand. Yeah, when I when I was kind of a kid, Callaway was like almost felt like they were already ahead of everyone else, like with the Big Bertha and the Great Big Bertha and the Biggest Big Bertha and like the X twelve irons or whatever the number was back then. And like I felt like Callaway was certainly. In my era, starting in the like, kind of late nineties, early early two thousands, that's what that's when Callaway feel like they dominated, in my opinion. And TaylorMade really just came out with odd products that got people's attention. I always remembered the original original uh, Rescue Club, which was like an orange head, mm. and it had like the bubble shaft. And again, it was like oh, that's quite interesting. It almost—I mean, I had one, so it must it must have piqued my interest at some point. But it almost felt quite like innov- innovative, like you're yeah, saying on or. Yeah. or maybe borderline almost gimmicky at first like yeah. people weren't quite sure and do you remember like the nubbins putter faces yeah yeah that again that was like it was no other brand was doing that like you had your ping which was like tradi- like you knew yeah, what you were solid, getting with ping. solid you were getting a, a milled or a steel stainless steel putter like that that was it done and you got nice drivers and whatever woods you got and they were kind of pushing the boundary a little bit Callaway were already dominating, but it felt like TaylorMade were always trying to go, right, what's next? What's next? What's next? And that's probably not changed for the last 20 years. No. I
3: think what they've done well, TaylorMade, in the last 20 years, they've established a ball in the ball market. The wedges have become really well-known. Mm. The putter, putter line, yeah. the nub- nubbins and stuff, to so now that <laughs> the spiders. I've thought of a brand, because I, like, I, I had this question kind of planned yesterday, and I think I would say TaylorMade's up there across the board. You know I think possibly has done the best in the last 20 years? Can I get...
2: I feel like you're going to say tight list.
3: No. I'm going to go, and this is going to um, prove some people wrong because I think some people think I hate on this brand now and I don't. I'm going to say Cobra. And the reason I'm going to say Cobra is when I first started golf about 98, Cobra drivers were class. I know, obviously, Tiger used one. Well, if this is a clip on YouTube, we'll put a picture on here of Tiger with a Cobra driver. Um, and But then when I was probably about 12 or 13, King Cobra, as they were known then, became the old man brand. Yeah. Sounds bad. That's what they were known as. Last five or ten years, they really have done a good job. I think bringing Ricky on board as well to to, to become the younger, cooler brand. Yeah,
2: yeah, I certainly. I think the last three or four years definitely yeah, have really yeah, changed yeah. their model. Um, and you've probably seen that with. I mean, again, obviously you've got such great insight to the yeah, business. Yeah. Like, what brand does sell the best?
0: So, so there's t- the three big names. Co- uh, sorry, Callaway, Ping, TaylorMade. They're battling it out year in year. Say out them again. For me. Sorry, Callaway, Ping, TaylorMade. Okay, dependent on. Um, and would you say just in driver market or overall over everything? Market, yeah, right? yeah, for me. Uh, yeah, if you look at the whole the, – and that will probably come out if you look at any data tech reports and sales yeah. reports. Cobra, as Guy's correctly said, they have come in hard, but they've come in at a slightly lower price point. Yeah. You know, that That's 50, a big thing. 50, 60 pounds cheaper on a driver that in all essence will perform better uh, than than other products, then it's a no-brainer, isn't it? And one thing you've got to understand, and again, I'm sure we'll touch on this – people will buy what you fit them. So if I believe in a product that client believes in me, and he'll buy. If I tell him Cobra's right for him, he'll buy Cobra. If I tell him Tellme's right for him and it stacks up, he'll buy that. So now where Cobra have done very well is they've come in the product that performs at the right price point and they've got it into people's fitting studios. So now they've got all three bases, haven't mm. they? If it's not in a fitting studio, nobody's going to buy it. Yes, obviously, people watch reviews they'll see what they think of the product. But again, I think for me personally, you should always try the product, see if it works for you, and get one hundred percent. And and they've done that as well. So that's how you get into that market.
2: When a customer comes through the door, what are they? May what? What's the the brand driver category they want to try most? Like they say, they come in and go, "I want to test the latest." Yeah, what brand, or can, is it really mixed? It's, yeah, it's, there's uh, not one. There's not still not one. I, I brand wouldn't say
0: there's one out ahead. Whoever's put, whoever's put the most into the marketing, definitely. People are asking about Bryson's driver at the minute. Obviously, we can all hit it like Bryson, can't we? Um, but you can't fact buy he's, it. He's, he's using one that's five years <laughs> old. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which again touches on what I said before. The, I think I don't think technology is going to give us that much better, but it might give us a bit more forgiveness. I think that's one thing I have found golfers can hit the ball better they don't need to be as good swingers to hit the mm. ball as well now with Montek. well you
2: actually look at the stats and this is a really interesting one because you you'd think with all this later and you mentioned a minute ago if every brand made you hit the ball 10 yards further you're beating it 200 yeah. yards yeah. further yeah. now but what a lot of um data has been proven so like when the when the handicap was established or handicaps 20 years ago was no better than handicaps now so much and people aren't hitting driver that sorry they are hitting driver much longer now but the the big difference is more people are hitting drivers yeah. because they're the more forgiving heads so hit, yeah. like maybe only a percentage of people used to use drivers but now a lot of new golfers get hitting a driver fairly soon because yeah. it's actually quite an easy club to hit for yeah. new for new golfers compared to 20 years ago when the head was much smaller it's much less forgiving um that's interesting
3: just on that then, where I've got you on speaking about clubs. Yeah. Obviously, you'll know as well as anybody, I used to be a custom fitter. And I used to think I did an alright job at it. Not bad. <laughs> not bad. Not the best. And I've done a few little things recently on the podcast that's kinda of gone down well with some and not well with other people. Where I've kind of again played devil's advocate and bit tongue in cheeks in that fitting's overrated. Stirring the pot down. It I is a little it, bit. The it. reason I've said fitting's overrated isn't that fitting's pointless or useless. It's just that I think some people kind of see this whole thing of fitting and think that going by out of set of clubs that are fitted are going to make them suddenly shoot 10 under par. And it's like if I am for a trainer fitting, it might be good for my feet but I'm going to run as fast as Mo Farah. But, you know, with your experience now, 29 years as a, as a pro and, and you've got obviously an amazing facility in the driving range in your golf shop. What do you think, if, if you could say this, is what's the most important part of a fitting or is there a most important part?
0: So, yeah, I've got a, my own philosophy and, and I fit for me, you come and have a fitter with me. We don't just fit you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
1: Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
0: In that one hour, and off you go. Because that is, and that's. I think that's what you're touching on for a lot of people. How are they hitting the ball that day? How are they feeling that day? Are they a bit anxious because they're with a, a coach? Are they wanting to hit it well because it's a new product? So certainly for a, it's easier for a driver fitting, but definitely for an iron fitting as well. If you come for an iron fitting with me, we'll fit you for the core of the product, so like five to wedge maybe. And we'll get you, providing you're swinging okay and you're happy with how you're hitting it, the coach, the fitter has to listen. They have to understand a bit about that golfer. Don't just see him off the street and you come fit. Got to get some information how he plays and then see if that stacks up during the fit if he's telling you the truth obviously mm-hmm. we all have a visualization of our game that might not be there when he's done that and he's happy with his strikes using tech we use quad we get all the head data we use the shaft we get to try all the shafts out and we find what's the right kind of ballpark for them get them understanding the difference between brands if there is a difference look at their brand preference once they've decided on the product again sticking to this core of irons we might go ahead and order that day. We might wait and do it a week later. We might not let them buy a set that day because of the way they're swinging the club. And I'll explain, look, today's not the day and maybe we'll do a bit of coaching and we'll get you in a position to buy them. They've come in to spend a few thousand pounds and I've said, you're not buying them today. That's quite a tough
3: How one. does that go down?
0: Honesty, yeah, I think, well, they're going to come back to me. They do mm-hmm. come back to me because I'm being honest. Someone who's desperate to get rid of that money might, well, that's not what I wanted. I wanted to buy my new toys today. But there's less of them because golfers are pretty educated, aren't they? Mm -hmm. So for me, going through that process, if we do decide on a product, um, I also also say when they come back for a handover session, in that handover session, we check the lies again, make sure they're happy. Following on from that, three months later, we're going to go through the lie process again because... You might be having some coaching, you might have changed your swing, you might be swinging a bit differently, and we'll make alterations to the clubs for the lifetime of the clubs. We'll make alterations free of charge. So that means the fitting isn't just a one hit off you mm. go. The fitting is going to evolve over the next three years, potentially. And even easier with a driver to tune a driver. Five minutes in the studio, you can twist, you know, tweak the face and away you go. I mean, that sounds class. That's the dream, innit? it, really? That's, That's how it should be, really. But
3: it's not reality, is it?
0: It is for for damn not in my head in my world yeah. yeah but yeah i'd hate to think that well i know what will go on in some facilities i guess so yeah but
2: we, if you if you could obviously that that's the dream scenario and you get time to work with these customers that come and see you that trust you that want to work with you that want to buy from you obviously we also experience there's there's retail stores out there that's just a smash and grab and they just want to take the money straight yeah. away because yeah. it's a business if you could um If you could remodel fitting, could it be feasible to do what you're doing on a much larger scale? Or do you think that's your advantage of being an independent retailer that you can do it in the way that you do it? I
0: think any retailer needs to look after his customers. So I think any retailer can do what we've just said. They can research. When that customer makes the first call for the booking, even if it's online, they're going to get some information, surely that information about the golfer, how often he plays. Once they've got that, they're going to learn about the client. It's good for me that mine is a member because I'll know them, but I do fit a lot of non-members, obviously, and I'll get as much when that that retailer might have a a well-trained coach or expert custom fitter. He should be listening to the client. He shouldn't just be imparting his information on. He should listen to what they want. He'll know what they need, and, again, you've touched on it, Guy. In the ballpark, most people are going to be a certain kind of fit, mm. The key, though, is the after-sales, whether you buy a car, whether you buy a pair of trainers, it's how good the after-sales is. Now, if that retailer is is sticking to a good after-sales policy and looking after the client after he's spent a couple of thousand pounds, potentially, then the client will just keep coming back. So you're good yeah. at that because you have like a, what, what do you call it, like a pickup service? So a handover session. Yeah. So the handover session for me is, is twofold, really. One, it's great that the customer comes in. Hits a few shots with me again, or one of the coaches in the studio. But, but you, you're underselling this. Describe it, because you really
2: go out and pull out all the stops, don't you? Because don't you box it in a nice Dan Webster box? Yeah, we've done... Get
0: my a little towel, and yeah, is that yeah, still something yeah, you do? Yeah, we do. We, we... Again, it's for me, it's making that purchase as special as possible. I hate the thought that a client will come in, collect his clubs, and off he goes. I don't want that. He might, because his time... Short, maybe, or wants to go, and 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 that can happen. If a customer wants to come and collect his clubs, he can get them. He'll take them, but we will bring him back in and go through the handover again. But yeah, I've given nice little gifts away and made it an experience. How would, how would I want that kind of purchase to go for me? That's what I try and recreate. I do think
3: that's something that I think retailers or or anybody, pros, doesn't have to be a a branded retailer, but can look overlook the fact that, you know, in this day and age now, you don't think much of a set of irons costing a £1,000, but to to most people, a £1,000 is a lot of money, so that bit of service is good. But uh, another question I thought of then, and I used to struggle with this when fitting, was that most golfers think they hit it further than they do. Now, obviously, your members are members of a Lynx course. So let's say hole what? How hole? How long's hole one at your 330. place? Three thirty. But I bet most members in the summer, when it's drier, one probably up, up, up towards the green on that hole with a good drive. If they haven't smashed it, yeah, or not they, far off. can get there. So, so in their head, they can hit the driver two seventy comfortably, two eighty. Yeah. Get them on GC Quad indoor, and it's now going two fifty. How does that hard then sell them not to sell them but to get them into a new drive because they I hit it further than this what's going on yeah I,
0: there is always that conversation, but when you explain a bit about swing speed, clubber speed, the fact that i can set you can set the software on quad to replicate a Links course, I said, so I can navigate it in it two ninety if you want, but it's still only carrying yeah. two forty yeah. and that's what you're doing out there. The more honest you are with the purchase the more honest you are with the customer, the better surely that's no, that's just the life of retail
2: and you you look at maybe where you've, subconsciously or consciously taking this motivation from. I mean, I know obviously your family are also into cars and things like that as well. Like when you go and pick up a nice new car, like it is an experience. Like you want it to be an experience. Sometimes you have a nice cover on the car and they'll unveil it and you have a nice car, like a key with, with, oh, this is your new key and they'll walk you through every single bit of the vehicle and you think this is pretty good. I like like this. And when you ring them back up, they've got your number saved on the system so that when you ring up, they go, oh, hi, Mr. Shields. How are you doing today? It's like all those little things are so important aren't they
0: yeah do you not do you not think i mean we're in a i'm going off definitely going off tangent now but we're in a challenging time retail is up against its biggest challenge it's ever had due to what's gone on however i and i i'm still investing in it because i believe there is a place for retail there is a place for humanization rather than all mm. this automation because we still crave that you've just discussed it that like you want that feeling yes you will be one day ordering your car from a, a website and, and it'll get delivered to your home. It's going to happen. Well, it already is, like Tesla does exactly. it pretty much. Yeah. So we, we can't fight that that battle. However, if we can keep delivering, and, and this goes out to, to any small independent retailer, if you keep delivering a good service, you will succeed. You'll, you'll be okay.
3: Well, that's one thing I wanted to touch on then that you kind of almost alluded into there is, is, again, one of the things we said at the start of the podcast with yourself is how you, to be fair, you've, you have made yourself... <laughs> Almost like an elite club pro in the in sense that you're well-known on social media. You do a YouTube channel that's got a few thousand subscribers. You're quite big on Twitter. And, you know, kind of without... It sounds a bit silly. I would say you're probably one of the most well-known club pros in the country through your business kind of acumen, but also how you've put yourself out there. When did that really... You know, obviously, you said from when you were 23, you won an award. You came third, and you won that yeah, really good yeah. award. So you've obviously always had that about you. But when did that really... You know, certainly the social side. When did you think I'm going to leverage this to really promote my business, and how did you go about doing that?
0: Probably going way back. I did a few videos open, open qualifying ours back in 2012. Open was in 2012 at Royal, wasn't it?
2: When any else one was that?
0: Yeah, that was twelve. So it would have been around that year I started out doing some YouTube videos. Wish I'd carried on then. By the way, <laughs> what you would have known, eh? <laughs> wow, it
2: would have been. You'd have been
4: in, You'd have been interviewing <laughs> me. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> um, but so I'm. I'm one of these people. I'll try little different things. Okay, so I, I thought, oh, let's look at YouTube, and I did one where I was trimming some grass. How to get out of British Open rough, and it was me basically with a wedge, just about to swing the wedge back, and then I cut. Wedge had gone, and I got a strimmer, <laughs> and then I played the shot out, and and I just had a bit of fun with it, um, and then got into a bit of Twitter and did the same thing, had a little bit of fun. That was so. This is nearly ten years ago, and I only did it for my own pleasure more than anything. It was okay. Well, I can help promote my business, but I enjoy, I enjoy doing. I, I've got four thousand subscribers, but I do it. I enjoy doing videos. I like the challenge. I put myself out of my comfort zone by being in front of the camera, and. If it helps one person, then it's been a, mm-hmm. it's been a good bit of um, content. So, the same with the Insta, you know, it,
2: yeah. Where, where did the where did the business man, the entrepreneur, the kind of forward thinking
0: Dan Webster come from? Where did that kind of stem from? Necessity, I think. The, the trade, I think, I fell a bit out with the trade in two thousand seven think things were tough.
2: So you were you've been a head pro for six
0: years at that yeah, point. Yeah, a bit of disillusioned really, because I saw when I was the assistant, I saw mm-hmm. Gulham coaching all day playing golf all day and I was in the shop. I thought great when I'm a head pro I'll be coaching <laughs> all day playing golf all day. And things just changed, it all switched around and, you know, my assistant my wage bill's a lot higher than Gudham's would have been. A pro gets a retainer. My retainer pretty much covers my staff costs. So I don't earn money unless I'm active. Mm. Retail's struggling You can't coach too much because you're doing things for the club. So how are you going to earn money? So you've got to then find other avenues and put yourself out. And one of them is certainly growing your social media presence, creating a brand. Certainly I created a brand, my own brand back then, um, and then getting behind it and giving people an opportunity to find you and then building something decent for when they do find you, they get a good product and good service when they, they come for a coach session to buy something, even a pack of tea pegs, you know. Well, something you touched on before, and I'm going to use your words, not mine, off, um,
3: off camera. You're getting worried now, Anything you? I think I'm <laughs> going to say. No, you, you said something about. We went, we went dark. Yeah, no, we won't, we won't talk about <laughs> what we were talking about <laughs> just before the podcast. <laughs> that definitely won't air. No, um, weirdly, when everyone with Dan Webster, what weird thing? Uh, no, but you touched on this kind of joke, like a Mars bar salesman or something like that. And we, and we sometimes hear people kind of jokingly or, you know, often comes from pros themselves having a laugh. But. You're so far kind of removed from that. Is that something a stigma that ever annoys you or fuels you to, to be a businessman because you are obviously much much more than a miles bar salesman?
0: I, I guess we like to underplay ourselves. I'm a semi under cup from Stafford yeah, exactly. and I can sell chocolate and that's really, you know. But no, I, I I don't know. They're probably if we spoke to if we're on the psychologist coach now and we we looked at those things. Yeah, they're probably things that have driven me on the attitude from members of the past maybe, or other pros, um, you know, people at the time, well, you you're not good enough to be a club pro, you're not good enough to be a, you know, why should you be in this job? And and part of me was thinking, well, you know what, it's not, it's not that far from the truth. So what I've done, and, and over the years, and again, if you follow up, I've, I've, I've put a lot of time into self-development, I've spent a lot of time on, um, I've I've gone and done my TPI training, um, Titus Performance Institute, I've gone and done golf psychology NLP with Jamie Edwards and Carl Morris. Early days, I'm I'm an early adopter. I was one of the first people to get a GC, site um GC2, build a studio. I know Simon Fletcher at Morecambe had done it and not far behind him was me. And it's almost like, well, I'll, maybe I yeah, had determination to show people, look, I have got this. I can do, I can do it and maybe i started slow, but... Yeah, I'm I'm pretty driven, I guess.
3: Well, you could have lived a very comfortable life. You could have been well, you are, but you could have been just the pro at St. Andrews Old Links, a very prestigious golf club. I'm guessing maybe had two assistant pros underneath you. Yeah had a few more days off. Instead, you've opened a driving range <laughs> yeah. with a massive retail platform. As yeah. we said, you're pushing yourself on social media as well. So you've kind of not made it easy for yourself, but you've also, I'm guessing, you're reaping the rewards of that. I will do one day, I think.
0: <laughs> okay. I tell you what, I like... <laughs> Go on. Well,
3: I, th-
2: I think the state evolve or die Yeah, is yeah, really it's something I live by. Yeah. Like, if you don't evolve and you don't push yourself and you don't experiment with new things... Like it is, and going back to that statement, the Mars bar salesman. I know I I hated that certainly when I was an assistant pro, and I do hear other pros saying it, and I do find it a really weird thing to say because it's like it's not you don't have to be if that's what you think you are. You don't have to be. Like there are so many more things you can do in the golf retail space. It's just that you may not be brave enough to experiment and obviously you were really brave and and you had a determination to prove people wrong i think that that's a Probably, massive yeah. i think that's a massive drive right yeah. i think i've done that in the past where i'm like no i'll show you i can do it i'll yeah. show you that i can make something work from this or i always remember that one of the first conversations i had when i first started my twitter account one of the other pros i was working with at the time said why are you wasting your time with Twitter? <laughs> what's the point? And at the time I had no idea. I had no idea why I was doing it. Yeah. But again, early adopter, I was like, well, everyone else is, yeah. all the big celebrities are doing it. Yeah. I'll make it work somehow. And even to this day, I've never made a check from Twitter. I've never made any money from Twitter directly. I've made money from Twitter yeah. indirectly. Yeah. And you yeah. would have done the yeah. same as yeah. well for social yeah. media. Um, but like I, th- I think that idea of, of
0: evolving or die is something that I kind of see you being really, really good at. Really, there's, there's a there's a phrase that I'm, I'm branching out. Golf is my life. It's my passion. It's my job. But my hobby is I'm, I'm doing a bit of fitness work. I'm doing some triathlons. And one of the phrases I'm, I'm even attempting an Iron Man, foolishly. But one of the phrases keep moving forward. And, and that's really important when you're competing in those kind of events. You've just got to keep moving forward, and I think that is pretty much what you've you've both done. I'm certainly doing. The guys here are doing it. If you don't, if you do stand still, you're dead, aren't you? So, yeah, I've keep I've kept pushing. I wanted. To, can I just describe what I think golf? Where I think golf is at the moment. Is that to, right? To just go off to, yeah. A Different one here. Well, let's let, let's almost set this up because this will be a great second channel clip. You know what, Dan? Tell us where <laughs> golf is right now. Golf is. <laughs> this is this is going to be a bit. This is going to come across hard, but let's just. just go with the flow okay so for the last 12 years i'd say i've been i've got my surfboard here okay i'm on the beach mm-hmm, okay there's these waves crashing at me so i've gone out <laughs> it's going to be hard to do this while some old in the microphone guys looking at me like, where are you going with this <laughs> <website?"> <laughs> um so yeah i've gone out and I'm, I'm i'm swimming out with my surfboard. i'm on the surfboard but these waves are just smashing me back no got through that one got through another one smashed me back 12 years i've been doing that for and, and it's been hard work mm-hmm. and I've, I've, I've gone through a lot of trials and tribulations but i'm now i'm that guy out at sea sun shining i'm sat on the surfboard now just like tassling probably having a little beer or a hydration drink now and there's a load of people on the beach looking at me going what is he doing out there what's webster out there for and and behind me is this massive wave and that's golf at the minute. This huge wave of what's going to happen to golf. And I'm ready. I'm just about to jump on the board and go... Da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> right? And everybody on the beach is going, we need to get out there. And they've got the boards and they're smashing it and they're trying to get out, they're trying to get out as fast as they can or they're still in the middle of the waves. So the last 12 years for me, and I think this is a big one for golf and a big one for for, for all of us in the golf industry, it's about to hit. It, you know, With what's gone on in the world, unfortunately, in the last 12 months, mm-hmm. you... you you adapt, you make the most of any situation, make the most of a bad situation and come out the other side. Unfortunately, there will be a lot of businesses that don't come out of the other side, a lot of people that have not adapted. That get washed up on the beach. They're going to be driftwood and I'm surfing by them in my Bermuda shorts. <laughs> 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 and, that's, and and I think golf is a great place. And what we've done, if you don't mind me mentioning, I've done a few things within my business to to get ready for that. And I think where golf is... As good as we have got a traditional golf club and, and the membership there is full, we're going to have an eight, nine-year waiting list to join St. Hanson. Wow. And a lot of golf clubs are going to be in that boat. Certainly the uh, high-demand clubs. But either, every club will have people clambering to join and has had. Driving ranges, obviously we've got the driving range now. I've modernised that. So we've got a traditional golf club, the driving range. We've, we've put Top Tracer in. We've got it in every bay now. We've got a power tee in every bay. We're attracting golfers that wouldn't have generally joined a golf club, but they want to play the game. And when they're there, they're hitting a ball down the range. They're playing, they're playing around a golf at Pebble Beach on the screen. They're enjoying themselves. The ball pops, the film, the ball popping up on the tee. And these families, those families wouldn't, maybe at some clubs might not be that welcome or want to be part of that, but they're getting a golf experience, and some of them at some point will transition across two membership, which is great, but I'm seeing this two demographics. Thankfully for me, we've we've got both bases covered, where you can come have a family day out, hit some balls. Last week, I, I, comp- I did my level two award for serving alcohol. We're applying for a license to do that, because that's what a, a good drive range facility now is becoming, isn't it? Yeah. It's the olden day bowling alley. You know. well, I think what's interesting with that as well, you're also having a bit of a kind of
3: a 2 prong attack at your retail business because a lot of people, I mean, I, if I was a non-golfer, as great as you and your staff are at St. Anne's, I'd feel quite um, nervous walking in there knowing nothing about golf, wanting to pick up a set of irons or something, Um But if you walk into the driving range, it's a totally different environment, isn't it? It's a different kind of feel to it. You wouldn't feel nervous. I wouldn't imagine going in there and asking for some advice of somebody.
0: We we rarely see it. We see it's a a different mindset. We see people coming in laughing. Yeah, it's it's no dress code, no captains, no waiting lists, no... You know, just politeness, and obviously that's expected, but yeah.
3: Well, that was something I was going to come on to, but you've kind of done it well there. But about the driving range, so as we alluded to, you know, you were a, a pro at this amazing golf club, and you were kind of ob- obsessed, if you like, with, with driving forward. Um, and, and now you've got Lytham Golf Academy, which is a, a really kind of well-known
0: driving range up here in the North yeah, we had We had a couple of boys there a couple of years ago. They're not bad. They've done well since. Yeah, uh, there, there was a guy called uh, oh. Rick Shields. He's, I don't know what he's doing with
2: himself yeah, now. Yeah. There was a much more famous
3: guy called Finchie. Was <laughs> Finchie, was he, like, was, he, he was the he, funny he one. He was the good one, One, <laughs> yeah, I've yeah. always liked him. Oh. But, yeah, obviously Miss Rick him. was based there for a little while, as people will know. Do you remember?
2: I, I remember the first time I met you? Do you remember the first time you met me?
0: Oh... That's horrible. <laughs> I remember, I've, I've had a busy and the, weekend. And the reason
2: being <laughs> is, it, well, I think that the proper first time I met you, I probably met you before this loosely, maybe coming up to play Saint or Lynx, but do you ever remember I came and did a, did a photo shoot at your place? No. So going back a long, you'll remember it in a minute when I tell you, a long, long time ago when I was still at Trafford. Swimwear, was it? (laughs) (laughs) So this was probably about 2012 or maybe even 2011. There was a new uh, golf magazine setting up. And um, this golf magazine had this idea of of having a young instructor on there because I've told this story before. It was really hard for me to try and break out into golf magazines because that was the only way I could see me getting um exposure being in a, a today's golf or a golf monthly or a golf digest or something and i could never do that because obviously there was so much established um you're thinking now what the hell <laughs> what the hell am i gonna say Anyway, there's a new golf magazine that came out and it was actually um it was what's the right word published no uh produced produced by a friend of mine who i went to my school college with and he wanted me to be the the pinup instructor That's boy standard. right <laughs> uh, uh,
0: who wouldn't who wouldn't.
2: Um, so we ended up coming doing a photo shoot at, uh, in Lytham. And one of the shots I did was I was stood on top of the uh, light, or not on top of the lighthouse, but I was, I was stood on the, the plateau around the lighthouse at 6.30 in the morning one time, teeing a ball up and whacking balls out into the ocean. It was you, was it? i read about that. <laughs> <laughs> Just been one looking th- for him for ages. <laughs> um, but then after that, we, uh, the, the guy who uh, made it is a lad called Steve Nicholson if this still rings a bell note yeah and he contacted dan saying can we come and do some photo shoots at your place and dan went yeah of course you can not a problem then we said we've got a mad idea i want to try and do a flop shot instructional video slash piece of content but i want to try and make it a little bit different can i do a flop shot over my car do you not remember this at all (laughs) so um it's coming back to me vaguely I, i said i said to uh I said to Steve, well, let's see if we can do it. Let's see if we can do it at St. Links." I thought, there's no way. Not a chance are they going to let me take my golf course, my car, which at the time was my little Peugeot RCZ, my little sporty number oh, that I yeah. mentioned last yeah. year, with all my name tattooed on the side of it and everything. And... uh we drove and Steve asked you, and you went, "Yeah, it's not a problem. Don't worry." It's like, "Oh my god, he's <laughs> letting us do like this!" Yeah. We literally drove it through these bollards onto the chipping green yeah. near near the right outside the clubhouse. What this
3: ends do you put in a Pro V1 through your window? <laughs>
2: so. <laughs> off tight links lie <laughs> i'm trying to do an instructional video about a flop shot hitting it over my car right that was the Good you effort. know so I end up i end up doing it a couple of times and i remember the first shot i was like oh my god right inside right in front of the clubhouse like literally right, on the yeah, putting big green. bay
0: window there yeah.
2: my, my car which was my baby at the time i'm hitting a, a flop shot off a tight lie first time i've ever really been on video or photos and i'm trying to and, and the first one i caught a little bit thin but luckily it cleared the car just and then and then i felt a bit more confident did it about five or six times now
0: but um yeah I'm, I'm a little bit gutted you didn't break your car or one of the clubhouse windows there you, you yeah, let
2: me you let me do that then I'm happy and with you that. don't even remember I do I can't yeah. it's what, coming what back life to me you was, that, was that
0: potentially that could have been around the time I was still in Brannigan's I don't know <laughs>
2: that would have been um I can't remember the magazine it didn't last long unfortunately the magazine I think it was called I can't remember but yeah that was one of the, I remember that the first time and then I remember um when I was looking at potentially exiting uh, traffic Golf Center, so kind of felt like my time had done there, and I was starting to look for places. I remember you having a GC quad, and I remember yeah. thinking, oh, I bet Dan's you know, when I thought of pros in the area that were forward-thinking enough to allow something to take place yeah, at yeah, their place yeah, i remember yeah. thinking dan was like yeah, the top yeah, of the yeah. list i remember having a few chats yeah, and good. suddenly before we know it we we're up there and uh, we built the golf academy which is james robinson's in, now, in now which yeah, is madness about, yeah. um but like i said the range developed enormously from what i've seen on i meant you know what
0: i actually remember um following it in
2: 10 when did you open the driving range
0: so we took it in 2013 january 2013 yeah so i remember following it
2: like so much on social media because you were posting loads and I created the brand
0: that- early doors before we'd even took it on. I created the brand and yeah, it was uh, a bit of a story. I remember
2: because the- it was quite like derelict on it at the time. It was pretty run down and and I remember what you'd done to the cafe and the bays and i remember you painting it and all sorts of watching thinking wow this is quite cool yeah but like it was really interesting it it was a buzz it was something exciting you know what
0: we we did it we took it on and i had these visions again of this is going to be phenomenal just i think it's very similar to that first day at the old links was in my bright orange i wasn't (laughs) wearing i wasn't wearing a pringle this time but i could see us being this this phenomenal facility and i painted this picture nike were on board and I painted this picture. It's almost like Webster's World, and there was going to be like a theme park and a bar, and a, you know, this this tatty driving range that had been run down and never been never succeeded really. And the first two years was phenomenal. I was like, "This is great. We can. And we're going to start now. We're going to do this." And then it just it just started to get worse and worse. And I think around the time you were there, you could probably see the frustration in my face. I remember the field was just a swamp. The outfield was bad. We were hand-picking balls. And I remember one it one April. It was a Masters, it Was been on the telly, it was Masters Saturday, and I'd been at the golf club all morning, and I, I spent my t- m- most of my day there, and I came down to the academy in the afternoon, the lads had run me up, we were out of balls, middle of an afternoon on a Saturday and we were out of balls, and we weren't out of balls because we were that busy, we were out of balls because all the balls were stuck in the mud, oh. and we had to shut the range at three o'clock on Masters Saturday, there was queues of cars coming in, and I went out with the team, and we were hand-picking balls out the mud, to try and stay open for another hour. It was just such a bad place, um, and that literally that Monday I went and met my landlords and sat in a coffee shop. As a, there's the keys, we've just had a little boy. I'm not seeing him. I've give it a go. Here's the keys. I'm out. And I, all my energy for the previous three years had, had pretty much been washed up. And I, part of me was thinking, well, I've got a good job. I'm the head person yeah, yeah. Let's just crack on. And the landlords were very understanding. And they said, well, have you ever thought about doing something Elkstrone? And, and and a good pal of mine at the time, um, him and his wife, had a chat with me, um, Matt and Janet, and said, look, we could potentially help you out with this. And we got some investment. And it's since that conversation we've then done things to the range that's then snowballed, that's mm-hmm. created a facility that we, have, we are now back on track with this entertainment facility. It's not going to be quite Webster's World, obviously, <laughs> but certainly a facility that... I will be proud of, and I, one thing when I first when I gave the keys back across the coffee table, part of me was like, "Well, if I do this, somebody somebody one day will do what I want to do here." Um, yeah, I want it to be me, but you know, it's almost as though I regret leaving and walking away from it because I could see the potential of a driving range and how golf is going. Thankfully, at the time, like I say, my business partners came on board. We're now in a position where we're just about to. Um, relaunch with this massive big uh, wave to surf with uh you'll be happy with this we've just talked with it's happening today actually we've got quite a busy day today we're just tarmacking the drive the whole oh, drive has wow. been oh, tarmacked. Nice. like i say all the power tees have been ripped out fresh new power tees going in I fresh new tarmac is gonna cost a bit yeah thanks yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right it's yeah. quite a long driveway into well, it. well put it this way if you next time you come down if there's a about a four foot long speed bump in the middle of it I didn't pay them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm four foot I'm a, I'm a little bit taller than that, four foot one, maybe. <laughs> well I've not seen Dan for a while, but oh, <laughs> What well, um what's been the
2: biggest challenge for you, somebody working in the golf industry? Would you say the last twelve months has been the biggest challenge?
0: Yes and no. I'm gonna come across I'm gonna get some probably upset people here, but yeah it's been a challenge but i've thrived from it i've actually utilized the challenge and come out better family i've had time with the family i've never had weekends off i've had that so i feel great for that i've spent a lot of time on me and my development in the business so i've learned i've done qualifications i've done award you know and um, certificates things that kind of thing i've trained i've become fitter and healthier and i've i've invested in the business so financially as much as yes there is a challenge i always knew the tap when it comes back on will come on with a big a big gush mm-hmm. uh i think anyone that has used this time just to chill good on them every credit they probably needed to because the golf trade has been tough um but if you've if you've pushed on in in this downtime, then you'll probably come out the other side pretty well like i said that that wave um what's the word i'm looking for analogy. The analogy yeah yeah i think it's not been easy obviously there's been dark dark moments and i'm lucky i've got a good family parents very supportive my wife and the kids obviously but i think you can tell from my mindset i, I wasn't just going to sit around and do nothing yeah
2: well that's it and and you're right that all i did evolve or die like I say there's yeah. so many people that would have taken this opportunity to chill and like I say a lot of people do need to but you you can tell the people who have taken this opportunity and like say done something with it yeah. um but but it's you know it's not everybody's built that way, are they, I suppose that's just how it is.
0: We're all in, we're all different, aren't we? That's what makes us so uh, so individual, I guess. Um, for me, I've used it as an opportunity. Um, the training side of things, I've loved more than anything.
2: Really, yeah. your, your actual physical training or yeah, actual yeah. learning training. Not well,
0: because you're doing an Ironman, did you say before?
2: Yeah. Describe I, an Ironman. What is what? So an Ironman.
0: Do? I'm doing an event called the Lakesman. It's an Iron distance triathlon. It's a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, 2.6 mile swim, 112 mile bike, and then a marathon. That's outrageous. All in one day, and I'm doing it. So so where this comes from, I like to cycle. I train with a great team called Team Windmill, Barbara Holmes. She's in the area. She's a world champion for her age group at triathlon. Is that the windmill that I hit a shot off? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a big divot off it. <laughs> uh, it's amazing I can take divot off concrete. With a driver. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just drop. Anyway. It. Um, so I, I've, tra- I've trained with them, cycled with them, and it was just, for me, cycling was a social to the pub or the cafe they're very good they're very serious and and again i'm i'm this i'm that seven handicapper again i'm the beginner cyclist that's come in and with all your lycra on and full (laughs) full hit (laughs) (laughs) and i've gone in big and realized i'm rubbish at it and where there's a pattern here there's instead of going oh i can't do this i've now pushed myself and pushed myself and i compete with them i rate i ride with them i ride and i run and anyway um I, my, my little boy, Harry, had a, a, a freak accident last summer, uh, very traumatic for the family, very traumatic for Becca, and he was really well looked after by all day, children's hospital, and whilst I was there, obviously emotional of what's gone on, uh, he, he's fine now, he's in a great place by the way, but whilst I was there, I thought, what can I do? I'm going to do something. I'm going to push myself and raise money for charity because charities are struggling at the minute. What you've done lately has just been phenomenal, so every credit. It? It's not an Ironman. No, but, but <laughs> even so, what you've raised oh, for thank, a, no, a, a worthwhile no, well cause. I no, appreciate it. But uh, so my chance was, well, I need to do something different. Um, let's, let's push myself. What? How can I do it? Oh, I'll well, enter a, a full-distance Iron, Ironman. So, yeah, I'm <laughs> training oh, at the not. minute. Um, for Father's Day is the day I do the race, 20th of June, which is nice because, again, it's... It was Harry's accident that's inspired me to do it. My, my oldest boy, he's done some runs and training with me, which is great. Oh, so he's cool. fully fit now. He's well. That's great. Uh, and I'm, yeah, we've got, we've, we've, I've got to just giving page, and We're up to nearly four thousand pounds. I'll hour. make, I'll make sure I will donate. To that. I'm trying to get to ten thousand by uh, the time we do the event, which is a few months away.
2: Well, we'll put we'll put a link in the description as well. If anyone does want to support it, we really appreciate that, and, and I'll definitely donate. You that. Um, you. In fact, I think I might have already donated. I donate. donated to something.
0: I bet you been because it's been up a while. Yeah, I think I've donated. Um,
2: I also wanted to check with you, uh, out of those three things, the run, the cycle, the swim, which is the hardest for you? The run. Oh, really?
0: bad runner, yeah. I thought you said the swim. I I couldn't do the swim, me. Not a chance. I could do any of them. (laughs) You could could run. So the swim, you, you kind of, that's just... Yeah, you just, you're just you in a wetsuit, so you're buoyant. And are you training for that as well? As you can't swim? train for swim at the minute. So I'm 14 weeks behind my training program for swim. Oh, my goodness. So that's a big challenge. Oh is that the first thing you do in the yeah, race yeah. as well? Yeah, so 6 o'clock in the morning, I'll be getting in the lake. All's water it is.
2: You live by the sea. You cannot train in the sea.
0: <laughs> yeah. Or Fairhaven the Lake. The one problem about our sea, Fairhaven Lake's probably, yeah, I'll be all right because I'm only small, but it's not that deep and it's full of muck. Ugh. But the sea itself is a lot of dangerous riptides. So oh, really? I better not do that one um it's it's Derwent water to swim i've been up there swam there last year it's lovely it's cold uh, nothing can prepare you for jumping a lake and swimming with a load of other people at six o'clock in the morning yeah then you get out the lake and you get on the bike and it's 112 so it's about seven hours of cycling around that's not too bad because you can roll we've got the cyclist here you know he knows about that
2: and i think it is going ahead like COVID, COVID restrictions COVID, or anything? COVID secure, yeah. Okay. Triathlon
0: is probably one of the few sports that you could do. You know, you're not near anyone. You actually not see people for miles when you're out there as yeah, well. Yeah, of it's course. Over a lot of space. Uh, yeah, fully COVID secure. So wow. yeah. And the run's hard. I'm. I'm. i Have yeah. you done the marathon before? Never. What's the furthest you've run? Half marathon. Yesterday. What's that? <laughs> oh yeah, I've I never. I've only cycled a hundred miles once. I've never done more than 100 miles, and I've certainly the longest swim I've done is one point three. And what's the cycle? Is it 112, 12, did you yeah, say? Yeah. Wow.
2: Yeah. So, how long will it take
0: you to do it all well, You get 17 hours before they come and put you in the bin. <laughs> well, I, I'm aiming for 14. you Yeah. <laughs> I'm aiming for 14. 14, wow. 14 hours. Yeah. yeah, that'd be nice. I want to just finish it, but the way training's going lately, um, Thursday I did 112-kilometre bike, Friday a 10k run, Saturday a 120k bike, and yesterday a half marathon. So, I'm a bit... I'm a bit shaky today, but the way it's gone, I actually feel quite good. That's, this weekend's given me a lot of confidence. Yeah, yeah. Up until that, I was really thinking I wouldn't get round. Now, after you've done the Ironman, you'd like to think you'd want two weeks off. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. But
2: that's not the case, is it? Because am I right in saying six days later, or seven days later, depending on what day you're going to get pulled out? You're doing regional qualifying at your home golf course,
0: St Andrews Links. No pressure. <laughs> the open
2: <laughs> for the open the open
0: qualifying right, i just right, i've been there 29 years and i've never had a game on a saturday morning and this is my chance <laughs> i can get a game so for, thought, 120, lent,
2: for 125 quid 150 now it's not yeah
0: wow yeah. well it's worth it Going to a I, can't, course. I can't say
2: you know, <laughs> it, it sponsored this podcast <laughs> yeah, okay, so. <laughs> good. Uh, um, so 150 pound yeah. and you're gonna do open qualifying because this year just to explain to everyone listening what's what this year is very unique to any other year right
0: yeah so st anzo links we're on the open final qualifying rotor, and we've had it we have it for four year blocks and we've had it in 19 due to have it in 20 21 and 22 obviously we didn't get it in 20 because what's gone on so over those four year blocks we have final qualifying so you play a regional at a host of venues and then final at St Anzal, there are four venues, and we're one of those four, which is great. Now, this year, due to the travel restrictions, they've asked if we can host regional and final over the five-day period, uh, and that's happening at all four venues, so us, uh, Westlanks, Knots and Princess, I think it is. Can you imagine if James Robinson and Dan Webster both get into the
3: Open off the back of this podcast? I, I,
0: you know what? If I had, if I was a gambling man, I'd probably put a couple of quid on Robbo. Uh,
3: well, I, Rick's going to be caddying for him, I think. So I, I, I be want, ice. I
0: want you to turn up in your orange
2: Pringle <laughs> outfit <laughs> get and just rock get it out. Get out. <laughs> um, what? What's, so yeah. obviously, and also, I don't know if we've actually really mentioned because. The, the connection here as well and this is kind of where it stemmed onto this podcast obviously we had James Robinson a few weeks ago James works at your driving range one now as one of the golf yeah. coaches um, and obviously he qualified at regional qualifying at St Andrews Links two years ago yeah. um, I mean he's got an unbelievable chance this year and I'm not I don't want to kind of touch wood it's at his one of his favorite golf courses that he shoots super low at yeah because
0: he shoots super low, low around there he's doesn't he? good yeah. he's a good player he's isn't good a golfer yeah I mean I I took him out a couple of years ago, I think he touched on this. We have had a game together and I had a probably one of my best rounds. We're off the back tees and I I'm gonna remember it my way. I think I was nine, eight, under, I don't <laughs> know. Something like that. To be fair, I was a couple under par and I was yeah. like chuffed to bits. And he, he was ten or eleven and he missed it he missed an eagle pot in the last to get to eleven, I think it was, maybe twelve. He was it's different level. He was man? low. And he was telling me during that round he was telling me, Yeah, I'm just not good enough for tour." And, and he, In the time he was working at Clark's, yeah,
2: and also don't put him off this year because you put him off last year. I no, didn't put him off. He <laughs> didn't. Two years ago, you were there filming him.
0: Yeah, he did. He was rubbish when I got the camera out. Speaking for my of, two two hundred subscribers.
3: <laughs> Speaking of good golf, one of the last questions I had for you down that I wanted to make sure we we got in because I know we've gone. I think I've enjoyed this. We've, we've had really some good, good good topics. We've kind of gone off on a tangent as a knew we would when the three of us chatting. But but one of the things I wanted to make sure we we could get covered you know with your coaching knowledge you know you, you've been coaching since before when i was in nappies or diapers for the american listeners so you've obviously learned a lot and you've seen a lot i'm guessing you've coached thousands of thousands of golfers um one of the things I one one of the things we get asked the most, and Rick gets asked the most, is I'm trying to break 100. What tips have you got? I'm trying to break yeah. 90. What tips yeah. have you got? And, and so forth, you know. And in golf, we have these real things in our head, don't we? Breaking 80 or breaking 90, whatever milestones. Yeah, these really big milestones, and, and we know as a golfer when you do that and you break a number, it means so much. Yeah. Similar to you now breaking a time, when you're doing a run. I imagine yeah. it really means so much, but. Quite a generic question, I know, but what advice do you give to listeners or people watching who kind of want to break 90 or they want to break 80 or 100 for the first time? Have you got anything that you've really seen over, over time that you think is really kind of impactful and, and helpful?
0: Yeah. How long have we got? As long as you need. <laughs> people know. will love this. Let,
2: let, should we start off with like breaking 100 first? Is that all? Well, I to...
0: two, I've got two angles, for of okay. so One would be um, why I think how I think golfers can improve the best. Mm -hmm. okay and second one down to maybe sharpen up the score okay so golfers go for coaching and and i'm a coach obviously we've we've all done it ourselves and they go away and work on things and might take it onto the course and have a try or go to a range and practice it and, and give it a couple of days and it doesn't work and they look at another video or go for another lesson and so on so i think the big picture i mean a lot of golfers don't practice correctly uh, and that's quite this this'll help a lot of people. If you practice correctly, you'll play better golf. And practising correctly would be a case of going to the practice ground or to drive range. What would you normally do? What would you do when you go to a range? You get a basket of balls, empty them out and just bash them. Yeah. yeah. Quick question for you, which ball out of that basket, that fifty ball basket, would you say is the hardest one to hit? One of them will be the hardest
3: to hit. Probably one of Probably the 50. last one. <laughs> On, guy. What I said 1 or 50 The first one where I'm not loose Or the last one where I've hit too many in a row Brilliant You both nailed it Why?
0: Why the last Last one ones, for you They're the ones with, with Significant value There you go yeah. So that last ball Is the only ball that really counts Yet I'll go on to our range Or the practice ground The old links You'll have seen this on a grass range There's balls left they're afraid of hitting the last ball. Yeah, that last ball would be the only one that gives them a true reflection of the game. Yeah. And the reason they afraid fresh, of it, yeah. it means something all yeah. of a sudden. So if you could practice with a basket of last balls, it's going to be expensive. <laughs> Come to my range to do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but if you understand, you move your basket out of the way and you just bring one ball, you've only got one ball on view. Again, you go on a tour practice ground, the basket's not there. The, the, the caddy's flipping a ball over to the player and he hits one. That's a nice, easy way. Or make every shot count, play a golf hole on the range, play a specific shot on the range. I see practices, bash, 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 we've all done it, and we all see them machine gun fire practicing, hitting everything great, and I was one of the best at that. And it's great for business. Yeah. yeah. tees, and yeah, bashers, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're the but, customers you want. Yeah, but I'm kind of changing it a bit because I'm giving them golf courses to play as well now at the same time on the screens. But, yeah, so so, but if you bash balls away... You're hitting, you're taking penalties and we're going to football now. You're taking penalties into an open net. Mm-hmm. Anyone yep. can do that. It's quite easy. You go on the golf course, you don't get penalties in open net. You've no. got you've got 20 keepers because you've got bunkers and out of bounds and everything. Yep. So you've got to try and make practice real. The, the sooner you can do that, the better you'll play actual golf. So that's not a, a tip as such. Makes a lot of sense though. Generic advice. Yeah. Make your a,
2: make your practice as as game-like as possible. A bit, bit more real. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. I, I, mean, I like the idea. Let's say you have got Uh, i like split it up in either to time or quantity of golf balls so let's say we did it on time let's say you had 60 minutes to practice break those 60 minutes into three 20 minute sections you got 20 minutes if you want to work on technique that's when you work on technique really concentrated making sure that you go through your 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 grip change that you're going to do whatever you've been instructed by a golf professional then you do your 20 minutes of of changing the ball flight being experimental trying to something trying to do something again that's more like plastic, practicing like real life and in that last 20 minutes is make sure it you try and put yourself under some level of pressure and record your outcome, whatever that outcome may be, whether it's trying to hit a pretend fairway on the driving range and you've only got 10 shots to do it, well, mark down how many times you actually do that. Is it 7 out of 10? Is it 1 out of 10? Is it 9 out of 10? And jot it down in your phone or your notepad. So next time you come to practice again, you've got something to actually try and improve on. And again, your heart you want your heart racing on the driving range. You want to be stood over that last Mm T-shot going this is to beat my PB. I better hit this one good. And when you get that, next time you're on the first tee, I mean, I think the first tee at St. Anne's, as much as it's a lovely, easy hole, it's one of the most daunting because of the the amount of people that stood around the pro shop, typically on the putting green. Next time you've got a pressure situation, you can stand up there and just pipe one down the middle.
0: Yeah. You're practicing for the situation you're going to go and do, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, So I think as far as... Golfers improving there on because you only measure yourself on your scores on the golf course, don't you? To improve that score and to improve how you perform out there, you've got to do that that side better. 100%. Yeah. And then, can you break it down into more categorized yeah. sections? I would say, yeah. So if you, I mean go to that breaking 90. I think that's quite a significant yeah. one. Cause breaking 100 with Mon technology you can sort of get it down the fairway with a driver. It feels it. like
3: breaking a oh, sorry, it feels like breaking 100 to me something that just kind of comes with a bit of time. Yeah. Like if you yeah. play for long enough you you will break 100. But 90 is one where a lot of people play all their life and might
0: never break yeah. 90. Yeah, I, I can agreed. I can't remember the day I broke 100. I can clearly remember the day I broke 90. I shot 88. I can <laughs> remember it, it, it and yeah. it was a big day for me. It was just before I started for golf. <laughs> <laughs> it was your first no. pro event. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't break. <laughs> yeah, but we can have a little bet on my my score at the old links. What would you that. be happy with? um We're going off tangent. Being able to walk, actually, because six days before I've done well, you've that. You've got event. a really nice yeah. excuse there, haven't and you? It, well, I've backed. I've backed up. You know, if I, if I can. Yeah, yeah if I can't. If you see me hobbling down the fairway, would you take a nice seventy-seven? All day long. Now that's my. If you can beat seventy-seven, um... Tenerife tour was my my kind of my most of my tournaments. It's like mid eighties, <laughs> high seventies. A good one below seventies. A cold day in Tenerife.
2: Well, I'll, I'll put you a little charity wager on. No, I, can't, I don't think I should put a charity wager on because that's not fair. I'd be
0: happy if I shoot seventy-five, seventy-four.
2: I, I think it's se- gone from seventy-seven to
0: Great par. I mean, I mean, if I can do Robo by one uh yeah i think i'd come away pretty good there
3: yeah i'm not sure. in the
0: open if you beat Robbo by one no because i so so the regional have a nice day yeah. one round some putts go in for me and i'm able to walk and swing then happy days that's all right then having to sleep on it and then playing two three days later that's when it gets different with their real players and for is that the, what it is three days later it's about that i think so it's like the tuesday or the wednesday should need to look at that because I need to sort the rotors out. I'll be in one of them. Be days. Busy week that week it's be a very busy week, yeah. The golf course will be in mint condition, will not it? Yeah, it's it's gonna be It's gonna be great from twenty ninth of March, you know, I've had a look at it already, it's in good shape. So yeah, it's exciting. But if I break if I break um yeah, I'm joking around at breaking a hundred but I'd be upset if I didn't break eighty mm-hmm. and i will be i I've only entered it really because I fancy having to go through at the next round. So i I'd, I'd back myself to go and shoot seventy two. I should be able to shoot seventy two. However, there'll be about 50 people on that first tee there's a chance I'll miss the ball yeah good (laughs) going back to breaking 90 so short game give short game short game okay so again on a Saturday morning at St Links, we have 180 people playing most people get out of the car come by Mars Bar have a couple of Mm putts go and play by the fifth hole the card's ruined if they just went and spent a bit of time on the short game or focused on the short game they'd have a better day even if you know for that round alone but if I said to most practices most golfers how how is your 100 yards and in handicap what what do you mean 100 yards and in? if if you were 100 yards and in i'd probably back you to get up and down most times from Mm. 100 yards and in and and a a tour pro (laughs) i've not seen you play for a while you've you've watched far too many edited videos (laughs) 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 but yeah and and a tour pro very very good at that yeah yeah but most amateur golfers They can hit the ball for T now, they can get it down near the green, but they're taking four or five too many shots around the green. And if I saved, you can just look at um, three shots... Nine or six shots around from the short game area that turns a 95 into an 89 That's or huge. a 90 into 84. makes sense. So that the key to breaking 90 is get sharper on the
3: green, sharper. Yeah, green. Yeah. it's so
0: easy to do as well. You've played games like par 18 yourself, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 good yeah. pressure 18, games, brilliant, brilliant. games I
3: would
2: say, again, going back to that point, I bet most members come to your course, either get a token for the driving range or whack a few balls in the net two minutes on the putting green off and like say off they go The chipping it's such a nice chipping green as well yeah. it's perfect for that kind of just little before you go and play you can't i mean you probably hit like 30 40 yard pitches there yeah. can't you it yeah. goes about that far i mean that's a great kind of uh position
0: to be into to like say sharpen that area i think i think a few people won't because they don't want to see they don't want to go out there with a, what might happen on that short game area mm. there's yeah. that fear if they go out there fat a few a few, or they waste all the good ones. They <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. That's some, one of my reasons. That.
2: Um, right. What's the future? How do you envision the future for Dan Webster and your businesses and your empire? What do you? What? What's the next? What's the like the five ten year kind of plan? Future. Take okay. Us yeah. To it. Yeah. So, without giving too much away to yeah, competitors. Yeah, <laughs>
0: without giving too much away, I'm happy at St Andrew Links. And the course is phenomenal. It's a great facility, great business. And, and it's in my blood. So I'd intend to stay there. Develop the academy in that facility and turn it not just into what it is now but this family, fun, friendly environment for people to come and be introduced to game. Because for me, the more successful, the more people that get introduced to golf, the the better golf is. And certainly that's my life and my business. I'm lucky I don't go to work. I do my I do my thing I just go and it's not a job is it no. we're, we're all lucky in that respect yeah we? we we work in our hobby don't we yeah so so that that's for me making the facilities we've currently got better looking at other opportunities definitely and I'll always explore growth I think and you, just, you stick to what you're good at in life anyway so for me it is a, a, about looking after people keep um, moving forward yeah yeah definitely so yeah I, I this next week's going to be a big week for us with the business currently. And uh, when Golf restarts starts, we're, we're quite excited to see what's going to happen moving forward from that. Yeah, you're, quite at, you're ahead of those waves. You're on your I'm, surfboard. I'm on the surfboard. I'm in the Bermudas. It does feel
2: exciting right now as, we've, as we're recording this. We're to, we're a week away from golf courses reopening here in England and driving ranges and everything. It feels like a Masters just round the corner, the nice weathers. It's, it it it's feels bubbling exciting, it. doesn't it? I think,
3: it? like Dan alluded to earlier and you feel a bit guilty saying this because obviously this last year has been so traumatic for so many people it's been horrible for you know everybody's been affected by this last year obviously and, and some unfortunately more so than others but in terms of the golf world though we've been closed and that's been and we've not been able to film the same and golf shops haven't been open been able to open in certain times but having said all that like you said does feel this next this next month this next two months this season i feel like it's just going to be absolutely phenomenal yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. it's a, so we've talk, talked about this a few times 29 years and i've never been as excited as i am right now
3: what a
2: nice ending! I, I think to that the, is a nice Dan, you've been amazing. It's been a great story mm. going back to to when you first started and and the, the history I of it all. And we've just
3: only just scratched the surface, so I feel like maybe in a couple of months we'll get you back on when I'm the open.
2: Po- post <laughs> open,
3: post maybe even with Robbo. We have four of us, oh, <laughs> oh, and, nice. and we'll catch up on golf. How the season's gone in terms of you know Robbo's golf, his coaching, your business. See if um, yeah, that be good.
2: Find out how you get on with the Ironman. Yeah, if you get through it.
3: it. See if any of us three have broke 80. That would be quite good. That would be good. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, that's just to get a game of golf. Yeah, that would
0: be nice. Yeah, I mean, and we're yeah, you, this, but it'll never happen. But it's nice to say. For
3: people that want to check you out, Dan, um, yeah. obviously YouTube's dead easy. Dan Webster Golf. Every, everything
0: is Dan, Dan Webster
3: Golf. golf. Well, you go. That's on brand, yeah. isn't
0: it? That's, that's yeah, when you know a good yeah, businessman yeah, when everything's just yeah, clean so and simple. Clean. I can't promise it's phenomenal content. Well, I've got to say, one thing I've learned about YouTube is the time and effort that, and people won't see this, but the time and effort you've put in to get to where you are now. They've not seen all the... It's like the iceberg thing, isn't it? They've not seen all that. For me to do an, a video and then edit it and then do... do, do, do you know, it's it's a hard, it's a hard, bit of hard work. You've put that effort in over the last 10 years to get yeah. to where you are now. Every credit
2: to you. I, I just... I, mean, I just think there's, an, there's there must be a magic edit button on a computer which when as soon as I send the lads the footage they just press a button yeah, but you didn't always and do magically that. <laughs> that's what they that's what they tell me he's not even listening Harry like, there's just there's just a magic button and suddenly all that footage just gets glossed up no it's been fun and we, we you know we're super passionate about it and we love it and uh, like I say it's exciting when we can actually get back on the golf course do some filming again which will be next week cannot wait guys thanks for listening to the podcast hopefully you've enjoyed this episode it's one of my favorite ones we've done guy thanks for bringing on another amazing guest well, i do
3: bring on uh, quality guests
2: and dan good luck with everything going on this year good luck with golf opening with ironman with open qualifying yeah not a lot there is there
0: (laughs) nothing to see here (laughs) and we'll see you all soon thanks for having me
1: planning for your next trip